Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. Today we'll be talking about Pride Month. Especially uh, today we're going to be talking a lot about the impacts that Pride Month has on businesses uh, as well as children especially. Um, Or as I like to call it, the root of all evil month. Uh, We know that Pride is the root of all evil. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit more about the name of Pride Month. But a little bit of local politics. If you didn't know, I am from Utah. And Utah has had a lot of interesting things going on recently. We are known as one of the most red states in the nation. Um, Very conservative, very religious uh, here in Utah. But unfortunately, we have a lot of politicians that uh, recently they've been surprisingly uh, not even moderate, but liberal. I would say Utah is known for being moderate. Um, The people here tend to try to be a little nicer. Uh, They tend to take a little bit of a more middle stance. Uh, especially on things like LGBTQ issues, uh, just because um, of their, I think the general culture here is a desire to be kind. Um, But recently, this has really turned from moderate to liberal. And the biggest example of that is with our governor, um, Governor Cox. And I want to talk about Governor Cox really briefly here um, to speak. Whether or not you live in Utah, it is important that we talk about what is going on with some of our Republican governors because they are not acting conservatively in the slightest. Governor Cox this week actually declared June Pride Month in Utah. Now, the interesting thing about this is what I said was, what, what how I said it is exactly how I meant to say it. He declared it Pride Month. He never said it was LGBTQ Pride Month, uh, but he said Pride Month nonetheless, which what other kind of Pride Month is there except LGBTQ Pride Month? Um, he tweeted out, I'll, I'll just read it for you. This is the, the official declaration from uh, Spencer Cox, the governor of Utah. He says, whereas the month of June is commonly celebrated and recognized as Pride Month, whereas the city of Utah values the uniqueness of all individuals within our communities and recognizes that everyone has a place in our state, whereas we understand the shared human need for inclusion, belonging, and kindness, whereas we acknowledge the numerous organiza- organizations, excuse me, in the state of Utah that actively promote greater understanding and cooperation among residents by cultivating love for all. And whereas it is our aspiration in the state of Utah to foster a culture of hope, understanding, love, dignity, and respect. Now, therefore, I, Spencer J. Cox, governor of the state of Utah, do hereby declare June 2023 as Pride Month in Utah. So the thing that upsets me so much about this is if you just took out the Pride Month in Utah at the end, this would be a like a totally great declaration. If it said something about um, love and kindness month or, uh, you know, truth month and then wrote something like this, I think almost everyone would have been on board. They would have been like, yeah, that's great, especially here in Utah, where most people are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which recently has put a really big emphasis on love and inclusion. Um, But it didn't make any sense that he put Pride Month at the end, like you're a Republican governor. Why would like that is suicide. I literally could not understand it. The only thing that I can think is that someone pressured him insanely to do this. Um, He is up for reelection in 2024. And there's already been quite a bit of criticism uh, on his job as governor. And so to do something like this is a huge mistake. Um, Now, I will say uh, I wasn't um, commenting on politics last year. Apparently, he wrote a similar declaration. And that one did read LGBTQ uh, Pride Month. So this isn't like a new thing. It just stunned me to see it, to be honest, especially how things have really heated up in the last year with uh, with gender ideology. 
in the news. I just couldn't believe, frankly, that he uh, had done something, you know, outright uh, like this. But here's the problem. We're going to talk about this in a second. Just on a political level for Governor Cox, it does not make sense to do this. Like, we are such a red state here in Utah. People are not going to be pumped with this. And even if you argue, you know what, there are some more moderate Republicans that probably don't care. Uh, and then he's got, uh, you know, maybe a strong, maybe not strong base, but some sort of a base that whatever he does, they're going to be pretty chill with him. And he's really bringing some independents uh, and more liberal, uh, or rather more conservative Democrats over to a side with this tweet. The reason why that doesn't work is because the other side, according to almost every publication that I've read uh, in Utah today, especially over at the Salt Lake Tribune, which if you're not aware, the Salt Lake Tribune is an incredibly left-wing newspaper here in Utah. Everything that I have read is that the leftists are incredibly upset with Governor Cox over this declaration because of the fact that it does not say LGBTQ um, plus uh, Pride Month. And so he, you're seeing this a lot, and we're going to talk about this at the end of the podcast today. You're, we're just seeing a lot of these politicians as well as businesses that are really wishy-washy, and they're trying to play both sides. There is no neutrality in this fight. The reality is, is there, there's truth, and then there's wokeism. If you want to follow wokeism, you got to follow it 100%. And you're going to have, you know, about 18% of the population with you. Um, if you go for truth, you're going to have a much larger portion. But you can't choose both. Because if you choose both, no one, it's, it's never enough. Even if you choose one and go all the way, sometimes it's never enough. Um, one example of someone who has chosen to do this 100% is Matt Walsh, which we all know Matt Walsh at this point. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Matt Walsh is, Matt Walsh is a political commentator for The Daily Wire. The Daily Wire was founded by Jeremy Boring and Ben Shapiro. Uh, it's gained a lot of traction. I've talked about their company uh, in great length over the last few videos that I've made. Matt Walsh started out as a blogger. Uh, he got hired by The Daily Wire. No one really knew. His podcast was probably getting um, maybe 10,000 uh, views. Not anything bad by any means, but just not on the same level as some of those other hosts at the Daily Wire or, or on Fox News, uh, for example. Um, but Matt Walsh essentially came out with his What is a Woman documentary and started, even before the documentary came out, he started uh, leveling this question at people on Dr. Phil, as well as other places that he went. And he rose to the top very quickly. Um, it became apparent really quick that people were really interested in what he had to say and this question, What is a Woman? And so what happened this last weekend was when we came into Pride Month, the Daily Wire essentially decided, um, just like they did last year, they wanted to uh, essentially conservatize uh, the beginning of Pride Month. Um, and so on Thursday and Friday, the Daily Wire made a deal. Well, they made a deal a long time ago, but it came to fruition on Thursday and Friday. They essentially approached Elon Musk and they asked him, hey, would we be able to show what is a woman for free on Twitter? For those of you who didn't know, one of the biggest selling points for the Daily Wire and how they've grown so quickly recently is that they've been making documentaries. What is a woman is one of them. Uh, and it's behind a paywall. So a lot of what the Daily Wire does is not behind a paywall. All of their podcasts are totally public. Um, I think most of their news stories are, you know, you don't need uh, to pay any money to see them. But their documentaries and their movies are behind a paywall. And so they've gained a lot of subscribers because of what is a woman, because literally people are subscribing for a whole year just to see the one documentary. 
because of how much clout and how much hype it's gotten from the conservative community. And so Daily Wire approached Twitter and said, we will stream it for free on Twitter, uh, which is a pretty big deal for both. Elon Musk agreed. Uh, he said that would be great. Um, but this is where we get into some trouble and where Thursday and Friday got a little messy. So Elon Musk, I believe, was in uh, he was in either Shanghai or Bangkok um, or Beijing, potentially. He was in an Asian city. He was very busy. Did not uh, he, he was not on Twitter as much as he usually is. If you go on Twitter, Elon Musk is on Twitter like every two hours he's tweeting out. Um, and what happened essentially was someone in middle management, we don't know who, uh, banned. So at first, when the Daily Wire came out with what is a woman on Twitter, uh, it kind of had some light content, um, not fully shadow banned, um, but it wasn't being suggested to a, a lot of people. And it even had, I believe, a little bit of a viewer discretion on it. And so it wasn't getting a lot of momentum. And then after just a little while, there was a full ban. And obviously, this ban uh, really upset uh, Matt Walsh as where I mean, as well as really all the the hosts and the owners of the Daily Wire. And so they came out and they publicly tweeted, Elon Musk said, what the heck's going on? This is weird. It, and, and there was a lot of questions for a second of like, did Elon Musk really change Twitter? Like, was he able to really transform it? Because what everyone was concerned about with Twitter before is that it was kind of this online town hall. And it was and uh, it was involved in censorship and it was involved in um, taking uh, advice and, and leads from the FBI and other government agencies. And so there's a big question of um, is Elon Musk actually going to change it? That's he said he bought it in order to foster greater free speech uh, online and to provide that that online town hall setting. But this really took it to the test. And for, there was a few hours there where people wondered if really anything had changed. Because um, no no question, this would have been banned on Twitter immediately under um, before Elon Musk. Like, what is a woman would never have been able to, to be streamed. Um, anyway, so they, they tweeted Elon. Uh, he, was, uh, he was in China, and so he wasn't able to talk uh, at that time. Um, but after a little while, he tweeted and said, this was a mistake. Whoever did this in middle management... Um, doesn't know what they're doing and we're going to give it back up. In fact, he even retweeted or excuse me, he tweeted it out himself. And uh, this is a big deal. It's, I mean, in some ways, this is even better than if they had just tweeted it. The con Whenever there's a controversy, like there's this old, the, the age old saying is there's no such thing as bad PR, right? I believe that 100%. Like it does not matter if something good happened to you or bad. If you're trying to get views, you want PR regardless. You want people talking about it. And so a lot of people were talking about it. And it was on a lot of uh, major legacy news networks. And then Elon Musk tweeted out himself. And this video, what is a woman, has been at the top of the charts for over a year now, which is crazy. Considering, I mean, any for any film to be at the top for that long is crazy. For a documentary to do it is even crazier. But listen to these numbers. Okay, I'm going to throw out some numbers for you. And then I'm going to tell you how many views that What Is A Woman got on Twitter. I'm not talking about like of all time. I'm just saying on Twitter since, I mean, it was only up for like two days. Okay, so this is like a matter of like 48 hours. The Oscars. 
the Oscars get 18.7 million views on average. Okay. Now they used to get a little bit more. It's gone down. The Oscars kind of suck, um, to be honest. But 18.7 million views. Lots of people. Okay. Let's take the biggest sporting event, the largest sporting event in America, the Super Bowl. On average, I believe this last year was the biggest, like the highest viewed Super Bowl of all time. And it got about 136 million views. Okay. A lot of people. That's like a third of the population in the United States. What is a woman on Twitter had one, had over 170 million views? That is insane. That's like half the population of the United States. Now, granted, a lot of people outside, I'm sure, of the country were listening to it. Um, one thing I forgot to mention as well, Elon Musk didn't just tweet it out. He said, every parent should watch this, which I totally agree with. I've seen the, the film three or four times at this point. It's really good. Uh, Matt Walsh has this kind of deadpan comedy that really makes uh, it, it, it makes it really good to watch the film and just enjoy him being funny. But it was very clear because he made this documentary when he wasn't so famous. It's really clear that the people that he was interviewing did not like understand his deadpan questions. And so their answer, like the answers are quite authentic for the most part. There are a few skeptical people. Um, the fact that 170 million people on Twitter watch this is a huge win. It also shows how important this issue is to Americans and where their opinions lie on it and where the more important i think we look oftentimes at like what is the opinion of americans at this time um a lot of the times we're looking at numbers of you know 60 percent of americans support um are pro-choice and 40 percent are pro-life those numbers are important especially considering certain elections or propositions um brought up in elections but what's even more important, in my opinion, is where are they going? Especially for a party or any sort of an activism group. Like, where are those numbers going? Are these people, like, are they, are they stagnant? Are those numbers changing? Or are they becoming more pro-life, more pro-choice? Well, on this, uh, I want to highlight some numbers from Pew Research about uh, where people's opinion are going on gender theory. Now, uh, the question that they were asked, so essentially it says, so it's the percentage saying whether a person is a man or a woman, like whether they can be different from the sex assigned at birth or it is determined by the sex assigned at birth. Okay. The first time they asked this was in September of 2017. Now it's hard to like imagine, but this issue was not a thing in 2017. Like hardly. Like it it was a thing kind of, but uh, not to the level it is today. I have three numbers. I have September 2017. June 2021, where it started gaining steam, and then May 2022, so about a year ago. <coughs> Excuse me. In September of 2017, 44% of America said that you can be a different sex assigned to birth. Okay, a pretty big chunk, but 54% still agreed that uh, it was determined by the sex assigned to birth. 2021, that number went from 44% down to 41%. 2022, that went from 41% to 38%. So now we, so as of the numbers that we have now, 38% of Americans believe that you can be a different sex than assigned at birth. 60% say it is determined by the sex assigned at birth. 60% is a big number. 
that, that is a super majority. But again, the number that's more important to me or the way to think about it is not how many Americans believe that, but how many more Americans are being convinced of that every year. And according to this, over the last six years, at least 6% of Americans have determined that you cannot be a different sex than was assigned to birth. And that's a huge win for conservatives. It's also just a huge win for people who think logically and believe in science. Uh, so that's good news. And I think we'll see in another year, if Pew Research continues on that same question, they're going to find that number go up to 66%, 70% until all that is left is really those progressive Marxist Democrats. Uh, and there will always be a camp, a camp of that. But if there's 12% versus uh, 88%, it's really not... Um, it's really not a big enough coalition to, to make a difference. I know a lot of people say that people, that there are a lot of folks out there who um, really are just the silent majority, uh, that most people believe that gender theory is crap. I, I, I tend to side more with the Pew Research numbers. I think it is about 60 to 70%. And I hate to say that, but I talk to a lot of people about politics. And, uh, and that's kind of where we are. A lot of people say that only because they don't know. And that's why I think this documentary, What is a Woman, is so important. It's helping people understand and see it in a way that's shocking. I mean, I was shocked. And I know I, I've studied this a lot. And I was still shocked when I saw the video. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is there will be many of those people who come over. But I don't think it is wise for conservatives to think that the fight is over. Or that we're part of this just massive majority. And there's just this super loud minority. There is a loud minority, but there is still a good chunk of people that can be convinced and that we need to be zealous in convincing uh, if we want to protect our children uh, as well as uh, our neighbors from, from gender ideology. One of the biggest things with Pride Month that is incredibly difficult to understand, for me at least, is how businesses are involved in Pride Month and LGBTQ um, awareness and gender theory and all the rest. Um, what I was saying earlier, there is no neutrality in this. You have to make a choice. Am I going to subscribe to Pride Month? Am I going to do something for it? Whether it's uh, some branding or literally just a social media post. It could be as simple as a social media post. It could be as big as an ad campaign uh, or product um, changing or branding changing. But it's a choice. Like no one is just like, in the middle on it. You have to actually make a choice whether to do it or not. Uh, it's literally the story of putting lamb's blood over the doorposts from Exodus. Like if, if no one knows the story, this is one of the greatest stories for talking about how, and, and I'm actually writing a book on this. I've talked about this before, how progressivism is a religion and it is a cultish religion. Um, in Exodus, Moses is commanded to put lamb's blood over essentially anyone that uh, is a Jew or is a Hebrew uh, in, in Egypt is to put lamb's blood so that uh, God basically says that there will be a pestilence, um, angel of death that will come through and kill the firstborn of uh, anyone that doesn't have the lamb's blood above their doorstep or their doorpost rather. This is exactly what um, we're seeing. I mean, literally with Black Lives Matter, especially people actually were doing that. Like on their businesses, they would make posts about Black Lives Matter. They would put the little um, black banner up 
all that was was lamb's blood so that people quite literally didn't go and destroy their shop. They were literally putting Black Lives Matter um, like banners in their store, not because they believed in that or because you know they were super even politically active, but because they knew that the guy down the street had literally lost his store because of the looters and the rioters from Black Lives Matter. And this guy, I mean, he could have been white. He could have been black. He could have been Hispanic, man, woman. Like it could have been literally any, I mean, they could have been literally anything. They could have been the immigrant that got there five years later and have just been fighting to get this small business going. And people destroyed it. And so this is the only conclusion that I can come to about businesses in Pride Month is that this is lamb's blood. They do not want to be destroyed by the leftist coalition that is bent on destroying anyone who does not believe in their religion. What's sad about this, though, is the Pride Month is held under this guise of love and tolerance. Um, but the only reason why businesses are doing this is so that that angel of death will pass over them. None of them actually care about LGBTQ individuals. And I just want to say, I, I care about LGBTQ individuals. Like I have many gay friends, um, not as many trans friends. I love them. I love them dearly. I don't believe in gender ideology. I believe in marriage between a man and a woman. But I still love them. And so for businesses to essentially be utilizing them for their political gain and their monetary gain, I think is really disgusting. And the reason why it's happened is because of elitist LGBTQ movements that are literally hurting um, the people that they claim to help. A great example of this is car companies right now. You can see, so I'll just give you one example. Uh, I believe it's Mercedes, uh, but I mean, it happens with literally every car company. If you look at their social media, I mean, pull it up right now. Look at the Mercedes profile picture for America. It will have some sort of pride thing on it. I guarantee it. Okay. I don't know if this is the case with every single car company, but most are going to have some sort of a Facebook or Instagram profile that has changed their original branding and logo to uh, have the rainbow. If you take that same company and look up on Instagram and say Mercedes-Benz Saudi Arabia, You'll find a separate Instagram page, but you won't find a rainbow flag. Why is that? Because people in Saudi Arabia don't believe in gay marriage. They don't believe in Pride Month. So then you have to ask yourself, well, if, if Mercedes-Benz cares so much about LGBTQ individuals and they're being marginalized so bad in Saudi Arabia, why wouldn't, wouldn't they need that flag up even more? But the answer is they don't care. They want the money. They don't want to be killed by the leftist mob in the United States. They don't want to be destroyed by the right mob in Saudi Arabia, the more religious nationalists in Saudi Arabia. And so as a result, they do both because that's the best business plan for them at that point. Even the I mean, this goes down. It, we, we have it with businesses. This goes down even to the government level. And I'm talking about government agencies and um branches of the government that were considered conservative. So the Navy, for instance, came out and on their profile made a Pride Month post. And it's like crazy. Like who follows the Navy? 
like 80% of them are going to be men and like 80% of those men are going to be conservative. Like, why would you do that? They're afraid of the mob. But one day later, the Navy actually took down their post and uh, now it's normal. So, and, and they're not the only ones. You'll see this with a lot of companies. They'll have it up. They'll get a little, they'll kind of test the waters, see how much backlash they get. If it's enough, they'll take it down. So what that says to us as conservatives is we need to fight. There's no neutrality in this. This is a war between truth and falsehood and Marxism. And it's not a neutral battle. And I'm not saying a battle in terms of violence, not even a battle in terms of anger, but in terms of persuasion, solidarity, conservatives got to stand together, tell the Navy no. Tell Mercedes no. We don't, we don't believe in that. You, if you're a man, you're a man. You can't change to be a woman. If you're a woman, you cannot change to be a man. And we're not going to buy from businesses that believe that and push that and thrust it on our kids. That's just the reality. We see it with uh, Anheuser-Busch. We've seen it with Target. And we'll continue to see it, and we should see it. Glamour Magazine in uh, the UK has their cover photo for Pride Month was a pregnant man. Pregnant man. No, there's no such thing as a pregnant man. You, you, I hope you knew this. Um, it was a woman, of course, who transitioned and cut off her breasts and is pregnant. The, it's crazy. I, I never could have imagined. It's happened so fast. We have to fight against it. Our kids cannot see magazines with men on them with pregnant bellies and be convinced that that is normal or that's even true. This is why those who stay in the middle will never please either side. Governor Cox, who's in the middle, he's not going to please either side. I'd be willing to bet he loses the election. No one's going to vote for him. Even people on the left are not going to want to vote for him, which is super ironic because at this point, he's probably doing more for them than any governor has in a long time. Pride Month. I'm going to end with this. Pride Month is, is named correctly. I think it's fascinating that, I mean, it says this a lot of the time, a lot of times in the scriptures, I'm a Christian, um, in the scriptures, it says that people mark, they essentially mark themselves. It's easy to tell when people are not following the commandments of God. It's easy. And if, and if you don't believe in God or you're not Christian, it's easy to tell when people don't subscribe to the truth. Pride is that mark. They've marked themselves. It is called Pride Month for a reason because it is not about humility. Humility is the opposite of pride. It is about, it's not about turning outwards and helping others. That's charity. That's humility. Pride is about turning inwards. Me. It's all about me. Pride Month is all about me. As conservatives, let's make Pride Month Humility Month. Let's make it Charity Month. Let's turn out. That is the way that we can fight in this battle. There's a lot of people already doing it. You see a lot of people who are taking the time to serve. Um, they're taking the time to educate and make great documentaries like What is a Woman? The purpose of What is a Woman is not to mock the other side. I think there's just a little bit of that in there. I think we need to be careful. I think mockery can be effective when it is geared towards something just utterly ridiculous. And it's done in a, in a lighthearted way. But we need to be careful if it becomes intentionally mean. I'm not saying that that is wrong. What I'm saying is it's not persuasive. And we want to be persuasive. 
So let's change this month. Let's make it our month. Not about pride, about turning outwards. It's not about me anymore. It's about our kids having a, a future. It's about our friends who might be dealing with gender dysphoria and helping them to get the professional help necessary to overcome a serious mental illness. I personally don't believe homosexuality is a sin. Um, I believe that acting upon that homosexual tendency is a sin because, of course, sex is to be between a man and a woman who is married. But to be gay is not a sin. To be transgender is not a sin. But we have the responsibility to help those people. No one is born into a body that they're not meant to be in. Instead of mocking them, we need to help them. Let's make this month about it and turn it from Pride Month to Humility Month. That is my sincere hope, uh, and I hope to aid Matt Walsh as well as other commentators in doing that. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. As a bonus, uh, this week I will be making a video about a new book published called Ejaculate Responsibly. Yes, you heard me correctly. It's called Ejaculate Responsibly. It is about abortion. It is a very progressive book. I will be making a book review on it. Stay tuned for that video as well as a second podcast that will be coming out at the end of this week. Thanks for listening.